The Silly Goose Gang Podcast. And we are back, episode 35, Silly Goose Gang Podcast, and we're delighted to be joined this evening by Queen of Badminton, Gail Ames, MBE, bracket legend. Thank you so much. I think that was your official full title, I believe, Gail. I think it is now, basically. I think, um, you know, some when when you go through coronavirus and, the, and you're coming out the other end, this is what you have to have in your life, basically, is just to add that extra, you know, because if you don't now, I don't know what's going to happen, basically. So, yeah, let's do it. I might have a sticker. Yeah, might just like a name badge <laughs> or maybe a t- or maybe some T-shirts made for it as well. Maybe give out some pens to people with just with that. I yeah, like this. Yeah. You might as well get a tiara as well then. Oh, yes! Oh, do you know what? People don't wear tiaras around the streets enough. Um, I'll start the trend off, definitely. You know, tiaras, crowns. Instead of a massive diamond, like a shuttlecock. Shuttlecock, yeah, because that won't look stupid at all. I mean, God. Where are so many jokes about shuttlecocks anyway, so why don't you put one on your head? Because it hasn't got the word cock in it. So if you want to be... Have that right there. I mean, brilliant. <laughs> that sounds like I think that is the future to go for. It's the only way it can come out of this whole 2020 debacle. It's shot box on the head. We've had everything else. Why not have shot box on the head? Yes, no. I think so. I think this is it. If, this, yeah. if this is what comes out of 2020, that just sums yeah. it up, doesn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. basically. Just offline before we came and got yourself in this call, Gail, myself and Chris were talking, and me and him are a little bit disappointed in ourselves. Oh, because right. if we had been smarter, we could have got you on yesterday. Because I believe yesterday was 16 years to the day yeah. that you received your Olympic medal out in Athens. That so is right. Excuse me, one. you don't you don't receive an Olympic medal. You Sorry, win you, an yeah. Olympic medal. Uh, <laughs> technically, you don't. You lose gold if you get silver in my sport. You don't win silver because you've lost gold. So technically, I didn't win my silver. I got given my silver because I wasn't good enough to get the gold. So it's the anniversary of loser day, basically. No, it's a, it's a hard one because <laughs> it's so many memories and it seems so long ago. And you see the pictures and you got, you know, so if you go, you play it all back and everything. And there are some pictures online and, and you see, and I'm really upset in them because actually it was, although it was a start of something, because when I stood on that podium, I vowed I never will feel like that again playing a badminton match. I never want to feel like I'm on silver medal when I wanted gold. I was the weak link in that final and I vowed that I will never ever be like that ever again. So in a way it was the anniversary of like kick-ass scale because I just was like on it from that moment on because I just refused to be a weak person anymore. But also you want to, it was so, it was so hard to get to that point as well. So there's so many people involved about getting you to that podium. And I was 27, so my first Olympic Games. So it's a long time to try and get somewhere where you've been dreaming about it for, for years. Um, so, yeah, so many emotions, um, so many stories, but it's quite nice looking back. I just can't believe how young I look. That's the most depressing. I'm like, oh, look, I had all, like, cute little cheeks and stuff like that. And now, yeah, it's not, it's not quite the same. 
No, it's, it's interesting I, you, you say that because I did um, I did sports sciences at university and we did a section in sports psychology. Yeah. And I read a paper where they spoke to a thousand Olympic medalists and it kind of ties in with what you were saying there, Gail. I don't know if you're maybe familiar with this, but you're kind of half nodding. But they interviewed a thousand medalists and apparently the happiest medalists were the bronze. Oh, yes. But it seems very weird. But what they basically said is the gold medalists kind of go, oh, I've won gold, where do I go from here? As you've just said, with, with your experience, the silver medalists were like, shit, I just lost out on gold. Whereas the bronze medalists go, wow, if I was... Thank God I didn't come forth. 0.2 seconds slower, yeah. I would have been nowhere. So yeah. that's interesting that that still holds true, or certainly holds true for yourself. Definitely in our spot because you got you finish the bronze medal have finished on a win and gold medal have finished on a win whereas I finished on a loss so I'm the only one on that you know me and Nathan were the only ones that finished um sort of as, as losers on that podium so like I say bronze are just like oh thank God gold are like woo and then we're just like are we supposed to be happy or sad and it's that horrible emotion because you're you're trained and your whole mm. mentality your whole purpose is to win. And yet you finish on a loss. So yeah, it's different in races as well because I remember Roger Black. He does a um, he does a great talk because he was up against Michael Johnson. So he was like, no one was going to win gold. We were so silver was everyone's gold. So he talks mm. about his silver medal as his gold because there was no way anyone was going to get gold. So for him, silver is a gold medal. But for me, nah, it just it it wasn't. It was it was actually quite horrible standing on there. You just didn't know what to, I didn't know what emotion to feel. It was just ugh. I'm not happy. I find it, yeah, I find it. I find it amazing that you speak to a, a, an Olympic silver medalist and like, uh, it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, I'm not going to sell it on eBay. Don't worry, you know, I'm not like that about it. I mean, I might keep it for a bit longer. Um, it's just sort of it's it's so hard when you're so trained to be. Yeah. It's quite cult like as a professional sports person. You are over and over again train to win train to win train to win you you will win this is how we're going to win this is how we're going so you've got winning constantly going over and over and over like that and it is it is not that and i and i think things are changing and obviously there's been reports of you know sort of the culture in in sports at the moment and it's been some you know not some great stuff coming out and i think this is one of the things you've got to start changing about this winning at all costs mentality because unfortunately the way sport isn't um the elite sport it is all or nothing you will win a medal if you do not win a medal then you're not good enough or you're off the off the pathway or whatever so when you're in that system the pressure was so tense um to get something and if we if we hadn't so we weren't sure if silver was okay that's it which is such a strange like you say a strange feeling to have i should be really happy with my silver medal and i'm not really i'm like i say it started I, me on. I would have been wearing that silver medal just going to the, the, the shops. Oh, well, yeah, I did that at Bob's. <laughs> I, I went to many I mean? bars. I went to lots of bars and nightclubs with that medal on because it got you free drinks. You know, I used it in the right way. But um, <laughs> it's, it's about what silver represents. And that's the problem. And that's where the sports psychology comes in and of, of, a, of an athlete's mind. And it's, like I say, it's very delicate balance of, whether it's um, should we should we get have athletes that are happy for silver, or should we have athletes that are, <laughs> no silver's not good enough? We want gold, so it's a very fine line of like that that mental health and sports psychology. What's what's mental toughness and what's um, <laughs> 
borderline, um, you know, sort of start getting obsessive with stuff. Hmm. So what, what does... Got a bit the, deep the, there, the sorry. Feeling... <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, where's this going? <laughs> There's two, two, two guys and the woman starts getting deep and philosophical. We're going, oh, shit, what do we do? I know, I'm going to start crying in a minute. It's like, you know, get this... <laughs> You're like, shit, panic, panic. <laughs> Yeah, no, we, can we cut to an advert? I was going to say, um, uh, did you feel vindicated when you went and won, um, was it a world gold? Yeah, Two world every golds? moment then, yeah, you feel, you feel like everything is like a purpose for it. So you do feel, and that's not a really good feeling, it's not the right feeling to have actually. Like you say, it's, you feel like you want a revenge, like I'm going to show them, I'm going to prove them wrong. And it is a motivator for a lot of athletes, and it is a motivator for me because I was told lots of times over and over again that I wasn't going to make it, or I wasn't going to be an Olympian, or you know, you're not naturally talented enough to make it. So when you do do it, you do want to go like, like that to people and sort of, you yes, know, sort of I mean... show them that you can do it. But I I would have thought that you'd have been well within your rights to be on the you know the world podium on the top of it and just go fuck you fuck you mm-hmm. fuck you fuck you and I you do and you know yeah. I, mean? I think you'd be well within your rights to do that um, yeah and a... you you have your moments of it because the athletes are still kids and that and no offense you know I love the way you did it but it's quite a childlike mentality to have to start going ah I told you so. But it is, you do feel like that because there are, you know, there's lots of obstacles in the way and there are people that, you know, doubt you or whatever and everyone's got an opinion, as we all know. So, um, yeah, you do feel like that and you and you need to get it out. You need to get it out of your system and tell people, you know, sort of show, I, I believe you should show emotion. I think athletes need to show they're human and I think more people need to realise that athletes are human. Uh, but then it's what you do about it and, and, and yeah, then what? So have a bit more adult <laughs> sort of attitude about it as well. Yeah, I mean, um, we had, um, uh, we had, uh, who, who had on it was Olympian so far? Oh, yeah, Ian, Ian Mackey and Drew Sullivan. So Ian was Atlanta 96 and Sydney. Um, he got to the semi-finals and couldn't race because he hurt his hamstring. But those guys, I mean, so you know, he was in. Who was he in? Who was in that year? I can't remember. I'm rambling. Um, but you know, he was just to go to the Olympics. Was he yeah. just found it as being? So I think you know, if he had finished fourth, he might have been like really gutted. But he he didn't get. You know, he tore his hamstring, so he couldn't race. Yeah. But he he was just like it was an incredible experience. And um, you know, Drew Sullivan was the same. He was the the basketball champion uh, captain in uh, 2012. The guys were just. I suppose what you're like. What you're saying is you would have been way more disappointed, you know, probably having a silver or fourth than just going and enjoying the experience. Um, because I don't think yeah. you're ever going to win gold. No, and it, that's the, the problem. Is that yeah, it's the Olympics is fascinating, but it's once every four years, mm. and and you see it. You watch it as a young kid, and you see this this incredible sporting event, and you watch sports you've never watched before. You see your heroes. You see the underdog come through. You see favorites pull it out of the bag you know it's this incredible emotional experience so you have it is very strange when you're there because it's a weird bubble it's like a circus of athletes and then suddenly you realize you've got a job to do so yeah you're you can't be happy you're there it's actually you can't enjoy the experience until it's over and then you can sort of reflect on it and go and for some it could be over in 10 seconds dream over Mm. 
you know, bad dive or bad race, you know, bad false start, that's it, you're out over your four years of everything like that and that's scary it's really really scary so it's great do you know what I'm actually quite jealous of people that get to really enjoy the experience because for me I was just like this like a bundle of nerves the minute I stepped on it it was an emotional roller coaster it's like shit you know like you know and you sort of only look back and it's only when it finished it was over then I actually got to appreciate it a bit more and actually like you know, I was sat next to Messi at 2008 Beijing. There's Usain Bolt walking past. There's, you know, um, Federer. And you're just like, all right, all right, like that. And then you realise, oh, yeah, that's actually quite cool. But, yeah, to go, I'd love to be able to go there as a basketball player or a GB basketball player or GB handball. Just have a laugh because it'd be like, whoa, we're not, no expectations on us. We're here. We're going to do some sport. And, yeah, and we'll party afterwards. Brilliant. Yeah. I think yeah. the best thing. Being, a, being the armchair fan of the Olympics as, as me yeah. and Chris are. And as you say, every four years you become obsessed with a new sport that you never watch again, probably until the next Olympics. And you love sitting there watching some like tiny little Romanian gymnast do a triple somersault that you have no way in hell of even attempting. Yep. And you take a back step and you go, oh, oh. come on. <laughs> and you're like, you, you can barely... It's going to cost a point five that. Ali... <laughs> Ali only watches women's beach volleyball. Let's stop of talking course, shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think everyone has to. I think every girl does secretly in like, oh, why can't I get my bum like that? You know, yeah, of course. You know, understandable. Yeah. It's um it's quite funny because I I had one international boxing match for Scotland Gale. And um Woo! I understand I understand the um I was completely overwhelmed by the whole thing. Like you get there, and it's like I've I've been training so hard for this. I finally got here. I've deserved it. I deserve to be here. And then you get there, and it's like, holy shit! shit. <laughs> this is actually I'm actually representing my country now, and I yeah. was awful, absolutely awful. You know, bad guys nice. going off in the Scotland kill, and it was like, <gasps> oh god, and, yeah, uh, it was terrible. Yeah, and it's it is genuinely, although it's awesome, so you look back and say I have everything framed to say I did it. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Because it's so much pressure, mm-hmm. and it's not—it's not as enjoyable like what people might think it is. No. So when people, um, when people go and perform, like obviously you performed on that stage, world stage, uh, it's amazing how you can control that and actually still perform. It's really fascinating. I think um, we all, we're basically really good liars, and that's what it comes down to. So when the media say, you know, oh, what's it like? We're like, oh my god, it's the best experience of my life. But it's exactly the same as you. Nerves <laughs> are like. Yeah. Oh. Fucking yeah. God, you just don't want to fall over. You don't want to yeah. do, you know, do anything stupid or anything like that. But you know what? We're all human and the adrenaline yeah. is going through the roof. And yeah, it's just basically uh, who can fuck it up less. This is what you're hoping for. <laughs> they fuck it up more than you do. So yeah, yeah it's and it's horrible. You think about that pressure and you're like, so that's supposed to be fun. Why did I do that? You know, what? 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 Yeah, it's, a, it's insane. But, but it's, when... it's addictive. <laughs> And that's the problem. Yeah, 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 adrenaline yeah, is that. addictive. And that is why athletes do it over and over and over again. Yeah. Because part of your brain wants that buzz again. Part of your brain wants to know if you can do better. Part of your brain wants to push it that little bit more that, you know, see how far you can push it. And that's the problem. And that's that danger. We have fight or flight in our, you know, the yeah. adrenal gland. And that's what we have it for. Because if a lion walks in, you know, the house, you go, shit, run. But, you know, we don't have that in normal life now. 
So what do we do? We put ourselves in these stupid, crazy situations called sport and then go, <laughs> yeah, this is fun. <laughs> so, yeah. This is, that's why it must be like when you get a guy like, um, because I think everybody in the world almost, or everybody in the world who has access to a TV watches the 100 metre final. Uh, so if you're Usain Bolt and you're, you know, absolutely, you know, probably three quarters of the world are watching that 10 seconds to yeah. perform, you know, when he's playing up to the crowd, you think, how does he do that? Like, it's unbelievable, you know, consistently, you know, or, you know, like you, you mentioned Messi, um, like a guy like that who is the world is watching him constantly and just performs, performs, performs. It's, it's like, um, it's that you put on a mask. It is an act. So the best thing I can kind of try and um, sort of describe it and it's like, you know, when Gladiator, the film Gladiator, Russell Crowe, when mm. you see that part of him when he's walking out and it's you see the noise of the crowd and he's in the tunnel and you can hear it. The, the music's really dramatic and everyone's getting the jitters, you know, and he's trying to think of the plan mm. and stuff and that music and it's just that boom and it's that just to symbolise the adrenaline and, and you are a performer and mm. it's your stage and that's how I used to do it and a lot of athletes see it. This is my stage. I am going to perform for the crowd and for people to show how good I am. And that's how you get over the, that's why Usain Bolt has on this, this, you know, the acting, the, the messing around. He, this is his stage. I am the performer. Look at me. I am the star. And that is how he gets that, the, the adrenaline to calm down because he's reasoning it. And the same with me. I walk onto that court. I am the queen of this court. You are not going to mess with me. This is my court. I am the queen. And it is, that's how you kind of rationalize it. And it's, it's not normal, you know, it's, it's, it's a stage and act yeah. a mask however and and the trouble is is when you stop the sport you've got you miss that you miss the adrenaline addiction and then you mm. miss that stage you miss the mask yeah and so lots of ex-athletes still have that mask on and they don't know who they really are and that's where mm. the, the trouble is so if, um yeah that's where the problems happen what interestingly just because you you touched on it there did you know um when you were you know, getting changed uh, to when you were walking towards the court, to when you walked onto the court, that you, on certain occasions, you went, I am not, I am unbeatable today. I am not losing. Just mentally, because the way you felt, the preparation, the way you felt leading up to it, the way you felt, you know, yeah. on the way to that. Did you know, sometimes you go, I, I'm unbeatable. Nobody's beating yeah. me today. I'm just, yeah. just not. You just yeah. know. It's um, it's weird. I'm a, I don't remember scores. I don't remember. I'm not a stat person. I don't remember my opponent's names or anything. But I remember feelings really, mm. really well. So I remember a certain tournament, how I felt. And there's some tournaments I felt exactly that. It was like, no one's touching me. No one is getting through me. I am invincible today. And there were some tournaments where I didn't feel that. Just had sort of like, just didn't feel comfortable. Didn't quite like the arena lights or something like that. It was just something a little bit off. And it was more of a struggle. I had to really battle through it. So, yeah, mm. it's completely um, a real. Some people really like that, like a real um, intuitive, um, you know. So I'm quite fascinated by that in sports. So sort of like a real momentum and flow and that that energy kind of you, you can get from a certain crowd or you can get from a certain place. Um, so, mm. yeah, I was very much like that. I do a lot yeah. of it. Uh... NLP neurolinguistic programming in my work and it talks a lot about that how strong yeah. intuition is you know like you can walk into a room and no one said anything but you're just like oh atmosphere yeah and you can pick up on it so quickly and it's very very powerful 
Um, yeah. Both as a motivator or a demotivator, as you, as you were saying, yeah, one of those ones you go, it's just, there's something, I can't put my finger on it, but there's yeah. something that's bugging me today and it can throw you way off. It's almost like that grain of sand in your sort of in a metaphorical shoe, whereas other days you're like, Doesn't I've got you. it. Yeah. That's the way. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating, and you. The trouble is, is you can't teach it, and it's and you know all the top coaches in the world could be like, right, come on, just power through it. And sometimes you just have to allow that person just to it, the momentum and flow in sport is such a fascinating way of you can watch it, you can see it happen, and no one knows. Like, just stop, stop. You know, they're like, you know, oh, it's brilliant. It's lovely to watch when you're an outsider, but when you're in it and you cannot stop the change or anything like that, it's just like. So yeah, so that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, the mind's uh, the mind's quite a a fascinating thing, isn't it? It's um, yeah, it's funny. What? Yeah, it's um, yeah. I don't know. We were talking to who were we talking to Ali about a sports psychologist? Was it Gareth Walker? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. He was um, yeah. We had a a friend of mine, a guy that I actually boxed, and he's the current British bare knuckle heavyweight boxing champion and he had got um he had got a sports psychologist involved and he he was saying you know he couldn't believe the difference in just like keywords and colors and for mm-hmm. certain emotions and stuff like, yeah he, he, like you know really made such a huge difference so that was that's something it, i found really interesting things. yeah gumpy's coach had got him or the psychologist to key him on the color blue as a a refresh color so if ever Gumpy yeah. was tired and you know at the end of a round, mm-hmm. he would look at something blue and it would trigger his brain to basically bring his heart rate down, bring down. his breathing rate down, give his yeah. energy back up. And obviously in a boxing ring, chances are there's at least something blue, even if one of the corners <laughs> is always getting yeah. very smart. Someone's short, some of the opponent's short, like staring yeah. at the opponent's yeah. short. Like, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I see something blue. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm yeah. to bring him down from that. Jesus, yeah. I've just been punched in the yeah. face for the last three minutes. Um, the blue is that calming. So blue is the sea, blue is the sky. So yeah, of course, it's like, yeah. um, what is blue? Oh, so yeah, you think of, yeah, definitely. I think it's um, sports psychology has changed massively, and I think I'm, I am, and I am a fan of sports psychology, and I'm not a fan of sports psychology in a way. So yes, when you hear like little things like this, perfect mm. for the right moment of sports psychology. I am not a fan of sports psychology in the sense that an athlete needs trust and they need to be vulnerable. Now, athletes get sent to a sports psychology to be fixed. You're not performing, go and see a sports psychologist. Now, to me, an athlete doesn't need fixing at all. They just need to know what, understand themselves. And that is often the worst thing to do is to go to sports psychology, try to fix the athlete, and then they have to report to the manager. So particularly in football, um, you know, so like, oh, so how'd it go with, uh, oh, so-and-so, you know, is he, woo, is he loopy? Is he, got it? is he tough enough to go out? And, and then that sports psychology who's employed by this person has to give a report back and say, well, actually, I think they're struggling a little bit. Oh, right, we're not putting it in them. And yeah. actually, it's not, and mm. then you're like, then that athlete's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I came to you in confidence about something. You've now reported to my manager, so I ain't going to see you anymore. So they bottle it up mm. and they bottle it up. So there needs to, so sports psychology, it's not in the right way, it's very, very powerful. In the wrong way, it can be very detrimental. And actually, mm. sports psychology, um, I'm actually trying to sort of promote outside 
not sports psychology, but outside mentoring. So more sports people talk to different sports people. So if I talk to a footballer um, or a rugby player or a tennis player, because we've all, we all know, I know that you know, and he knows that I know what it's like. It doesn't matter what mm. the sport is, you and like yourself, you know, you know what it's like, that adrenaline and that, oh, fuck moment, you know, oh, fuck, what the fuck's going to happen? And that mm. is very powerful and it connects people. It connects people in a way that you can be open and you can be vulnerable. And sports people need that. They need to be able to be vulnerable in a safe place because they can't in their sport because the trust is just like, I don't know if I can trust you or you. So, yeah, sports psychology is good in the right place, but it needs there should be other options available as well. So, yeah. Definitely. The, mm. thing, the thing that always happens, because as I said, I did it as part of my degree, the bit that always got me about psychology, I was more of a physiology and biomechanics okay. Yeah. person because if I work out how fit you are Gail and how fit Chris is I can design a program that I know if I put the treadmill at this speed for this time I can make you sweat get your heart yeah. rate up and it'll always be repeatable and it's scalable across yeah. all all the way as a psychologist what works for you Gail mm-hmm. might not work for Chris and I yeah. might never ever be able to repeat that again because it was that one little moment that I got inside your brain and it worked for that one competition that one time. Yeah. And I can never go back to that well again because it's it's been done and it's it's exhausted. And that's where I always find the difficulties with the psychology of how repeatable is it, how scalable is it, how much of it is a little bit woo and people buying into it versus a hard science, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree totally. Um, and sports psychology, I always think that it should be more at maybe coaching as in life coaching or personality coaching or personality awareness self-awareness all those kind of things rather than psychology of trying to get in that brain to try and fix something to make you better sometimes it could just be such a simple thing like like I say just having a chat with someone or you know just sort of like I don't know sort of understanding what they want to do after sport you know it's just it's more than you know you can't kick a ball over the, into the uh, uh, you can't do a penalty great you know it could be it's, it's usually more than just right focus on the target look where the goalkeeper's going you know it's, it's actually more than that it's actually about something that's quite troubling here rather than um yeah to look at the target and techniques like that but we'll see I'm, uh, I am way too stu- way too stupid to understand what either one of you have just said. <laughs> no, no, you're not at all. It's Listen, about understanding who you are, Chris. Right. So if I was working with you, that boxing, like if you were in the boxing, so I wouldn't talk about the boxing at all. Hmm. It's no point because I wouldn't. I haven't a clue. I mean, I, I do do boxing now, and I, my hands I, are still I, I, healing. I see you. I've seen you hit the pads. I have seen oh, you hit the pads with, uh, with Leon, Leon McKenzie. Yeah, 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 I yeah, yeah. my right hand is still hurting. Right, I don't. Is, have I broken something, or is that just normal? Has he killed every nerve ending in my hands? Right, I'm waking um, up and it's. I like. It, I'm. I wake up and it's hurting. That's not right, is it? I mean, if you're if you're hitting pads constantly for for a while, yeah, this your hands. Last week, just... this was Wednesday. Last week, it was a week ago. <laughs> it, you know, it's it's sore. You know, if you think about it. Um, you know, because I've seen your little home gym as well. It's a, a fantastic little home gym. So if you think about, you know, the first time you ever squatted, or if you haven't squatted for, you know, a month, two months, and you go back and you squat again, you yeah. might not be able to move very well for three or four days. It's just the same thing. It's just your yeah. body, your hands and stuff. And yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. 
I just want to take. I want. I just. Yeah, I want to. Um, I want to get like a actually get my hand plaster casted or something like that. And just go. Oh, that is a joke. Go, Leon. What have you done to me? Or something like that. So um, no, I love it. I think boxing is brilliant. brilliant. I think more girls, women should do it. I think it's so, not me... necessarily. I don't like watching it as a professional fight. I love it. It's, 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 it doesn't hurt. It doesn't. It doesn't. Training wise, I love it. Mm. Yeah. But actually, when I see women professionally boxed, it doesn't sit well with me. However, okay. obviously, it's like choice, and I'm you know all for it if everyone's there, mm. you know, right decision. But it doesn't sit. It doesn't sit naturally to me to watch two women box punch the hell yeah. out of each other. There was um there was a women's fight on last weekend. Yes. And it was brutal. Don't. Yeah. Woo! And Those that this is the problem. Fight. Because something, if someone's gone, oh, we need to put this on, and it was not the right. Who is responsible for that? Because they should be, they should be done for that. That wasn't um, on. That was a, that was a brutal, brutal. And there was actually, uh, <sighs> I don't know, did you watch it, Ali? The yeah, 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 yeah. But it was, um, I'm, I was going to say there was a fight um, in the UFC uh, a while ago. Yeah. Zhuang Zeli and um, Joanna Yunjuchik. Did you watch that fight? I didn't uh, see this that, one. That, in the UFC, it was as brutal a fight. It was five rounds, and they, I mean, Joanna Yunjukic's head was like, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, not, that wasn't that wasn't good for a women's fight, or that wasn't brutal for a women's fight. That was brutal Beautiful for bloke. anybody. It was blood everywhere, head swollen. It was unbelievable. Um, I, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't. I, I, used, I used to be one of those people that didn't want to see women fighting. Um, but I mean, if the, the, the if they're both signing up for it, they both know the dangers. Yeah, they're making good, they're making good money. So um, I know it's just I just um, wouldn't choose. I don't know why. If something maybe it's like um um you know that so we're going you know sort of caveman cavewoman like sort yeah. of instinct yeah. in me it just doesn't sit very well with me. You know, I don't even like it when you, you know, sort of like have a bit of a laugh and girls start scrapping with each other. But actually, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel right. Like yeah. at all, so um, yeah. yeah. So, so me, me, Paige Van Zant, Gail. Sorry, say that again. Are you familiar with our, uh, she's a USC fighter, well, just retired, but Paige Van Zant. No. No, she's quite, she's a quite a good looking young blonde, you know, yeah. pretty last, makes a decent amount, and she's just been dropped by the USC for losing her last three fights, basically. And yeah. she's just signed to fight bare knuckle. And there is a line where even I'm like, I think that's. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It sounds sexist, is what do you know what I mean? But I don't want to see two women punching each other with no. I, but bizarrely, I'd be okay if they're wearing gloves. So yeah, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, the that's, uh, thing, that's, a bit like, uh. yeah. that's, uh, that's probably a, li- a little bit too far. But um, no, yeah, no. It's, I like um, it. I like it in the sense that when I say this to boxing with women, what I don't as purely as I think women need to understand more about their bodies and how incredible they are in a physical education way so many boys get it because they naturally run around playing football and it's just more it just seems to be like oh yeah you know run around for girls though it seems if you are sporty you're the odd one and then so girl the sporty girls have to dumb down or not be sporty to fit in and that's what girls do we we want to mm-hmm. fit in with everyone else so if you're sporty you're abnormal and yet actually 
women and their bodies are what they can do or that how to be healthier and to actually be good role models for their daughters for their sons to you know show that we are strong and we are able to do it but our upper body strength is shockingly bad because you know maybe girls will go out running or they'll go out you know to do a spin class or something like that but to do upper bodies I can't I can just about do a pull-up so my upper body strength is shocking whereas boxing is a really good way for women to get that upper body workout and actually sort of feel really empowered as well and I mm. think we should and it's and you know okay so if I was out and you know a guy wants to attack me it's gonna you know I'm a strong woman but they're gonna they're gonna win at the end of the day I can't it's not there's only so much I can do but you know what at least I can give a good try and I might get the I might get something in there or something and it's you know other than nothing or just to feel a little bit more oomph about yourself a bit confidence about yourself as well and we should read a box is the best thing for that well i would say not so i haven't come from a, oh, a, a, a boxing background me and ali me and ali now uh, we both uh, train brazilian jiu-jitsu okay is that better now uh, is this my new thing oh, I, I guarantee you would love it i know well, i will a woman can 100% beat a big man in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, 100%. Ooh. Really. It's, it's so much fun. Yeah. yeah we've got a girl teams at our gym. Uh, give a shout out to her, Tana. I think she's maybe just turned 18, 19. Obviously, this was pre-COVID when we were still able to go to the gyms. But um, she's quite small, quite quiet. She's an absolute killer. And all the guys roll in wanting to be Conor McGregor with a tattoo <laughs> swaggering about. I don't want to roll with Chris because he's a monster. Don't want yeah. to roll with because I'm six foot three and look too big. And they see the girl in the corner and go, I'll, I'll roll with you and I'll, I'll go <laughs> easy on you. And within about four seconds, you can see them just tied up tapping because they're I like, and then they get really angry because I've let a girl beat me. And they're 21, 19, 20, 21 year old guys in the testosterone spikes. And they go a little bit harder. And Tanner just taps them out. And they go, huh? And Tanner just taps them out. And then Brilliant. next week, guess who doesn't roll with Tanner? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love it. And this is what it's... we need. We need more girls like that as role models. We need to yeah. like to hear about these girls because it's just, <laughs> we, you know, and it's so frustrating, you know, to not, you know, when you know the story and you know the power it can, a physical, it, like I say, you know, she's the smallest, but she has that, ability and she has mm. that confidence this is what these are girls that we need to like shout about and just say look this is mm. this is a role model not a towie you know yeah, plumped yeah, yeah. up uh, botoxed um lip fillered um, face that doesn't even look like a face yeah. you know whatever this is they're not the role models that we should be on the magazines and stuff it's like you know oh yeah pain. i mean i i've pain. had um i've had uh, uh it was a while ago now but i had a an argument with a girl that i knew because she was, she sent me a picture of some girl and she's like, I want to have a bum like this. And I went, okay, well, first of all, that's not real. Yeah. So yes, yes, yes. And it was somebody no. from Terry, Terry or something. No, those are implants. No, yeah. they're not. And I was saying, look yeah. at her thighs and quads in comparison. Yeah. This is not, you haven't, she hasn't worked for that. She just had implants. Yeah. You know, and then, and then you would show somebody like, um, do you follow CrossFit? Yeah, I do, but so, I don't know no names though. But... Oh, right, okay. Well, like like Brooke, yeah. uh, Brooke, Brooke Wells or somebody who's a girl who's got like really like a really yeah. big bum, but she's yeah. like got massive quads and stuff. You like, no, that's how that should look, yeah. not yeah. like this. But they just go, no, I want to look like one of these girls. You go, okay, well, go get surgery, but that's not that's not healthy for anybody. 
And I, well, someone in, I was in a, I was in a dentist actually, and the receptionist went, "Oh, you've got a really good bum," and it was not what I expected. I was like, "Oh, thank <laughs> you." And she's like, and I said, "Well, it's probably because I was a professional athlete and badminton, a lot of lunges." So yeah. you know, I've been lunging for about thirty-six years. And she looked at me in sheer horror, like, oh. I was like, yes, love, you've got to do some exercise. And you've actually got to work at it. And you have to, like, I yeah. squat a lot, you know. So, and, and that's nowhere near, like, these bums that these girls yeah. have got. And I'm like, yeah. I squat. I used to squat 130 kilos. I probably squat about, I probably up to about 70 or 80 at the moment now. Maybe, yeah, so I probably could do a 90 at a push. But, you know, I haven't got a bum like these girls because it's yeah. fake. It's yeah. not real. And you're just yeah. sort of like, I don't know what to, you know, you're like, oh. Yeah, that's, but, yeah. Hey. yeah, it's a pet peeve of mine. I don't like this, um, you know, <gasps> you know, it's the same as all, you know, a, a lot of these guys as well on these programs. And they're all, you know, they're living this party lifestyle and have a sex pack and they're jacked. And you're going, yeah, it's because they take steroids. You yeah, can't live a part. You can't live a party lifestyle. No, there's there's substances. That doesn't work like this. Um, yeah, if they're not advocating work. clean living, they ain't yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> they're on some yeah. stuff that you shouldn't be knowing about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So yeah, I get annoyed with that stuff as well on on both sides. Um, yeah. But you know, it's it's good to have. Uh, you know, there is some even you know even in jiu So you know, like in boxing as well. So like. You know, Katie Taylor's now doing a fantastic job. She's a yes. really good role model for kids. A really, you know, you know, a fantastic boxer. You know, and there is some girls now in jiu-jitsu are starting to break out in their, you know, black belts and world class. And um, those are the role models that, you know, I think young girls need. They don't need some girl saying, you need to do this. You need to do that. You know, you know? But no. I, you know it doesn't get, because I have an 11, well, nearly 11-year-old daughter. Yeah. She's 11 months, and it's far easier for her to see even if you try and monitor it as a parent, it's very difficult for, even if you monitor it, she goes to school and sees it somewhere else. And, yeah. You know, Instagram, Snapchat. Yeah. TikTok. million platforms. TikTok, TikTok is the and worst. My daughter's yeah. obsessed with TikTok. She goes, she, at one point she was moaning about her phone not working. I realised she had 104 gigabytes of TikTok videos on it. <laughs> so she sees all those kind of things and that's that's her 24-7 exposure. Yeah. As opposed to, as you say, Gail, people like yourself that have been successful yeah. athletes and still in good shape, people that are boxing, people that are doing sport. Yeah. It's just not shouted about or seen as often. It's not normalised. It's not... Um... And now because of screen time being more and more and more, and especially with coronavirus as well, we've all been shut down and we've all been on Zoom or, or whatever on, um, you know, sort of screens and laptops and stuff. It's more screen time, more images being thrown at us. This is how you should look. This is how we want to be. So, yeah, I've got a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old boy, two boys. And my 10-year-old watches the TikTok. And, he, and it's quite funny because he's watching these girls. And he puts a T-shirt in the crop top. He's going, look, mum, look, look, look what I'm doing. And I was just like, this is brilliant. I'm videoing this. And I'm going to put this on your 18th birthday. But it did make me realise like, how sexual these girls were in their moves and what they were wearing. And I'm like, my 10-year-old is watching this. And it's like, this is normal girl. This, these girls don't exist in real life. Yeah. Go down Milton Keys. They, they ain't look like that. <laughs> so um, yeah. if he starts thinking he's going to get a girlfriend like that, I'm going to have to um, uh, right, lower these expectations. <laughs> Nothing not makes you realise how inappropriate song lyrics are until we hear your nine-year-old daughter singing them. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and then you're like, whoa. And she's like, what? That's my song. I like it. And I'm like, yes, but go and listen to the radio version, please. Oh, so I know it's brilliant as well. It's kind of funny, but it does. Yeah, I now want to apologise to my parents about playing a song over and over and over again. Do you remember that? Which is what it's so we can get the lyrics. So we can get the lyrics. And I'm like, oh my God, stop playing that song, please, as well. But yeah, joyous of parenting. Oh, well. oh. I don't understand what you're talking about with that either. So. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I should have just let you two talk. I could, I, I could even do all that. Oh no, we still, we'll still have you. We'll still have you. Come on in. So we're training and diets and stuff. Mm. Yeah, I know that you've from your social media have kind of gone into the keto world. And yeah. Just before you go into that, I'm guessing because of. What you were, how old you were when you were in the Olympics, your kind of ages with me and Chris. So you must have been a carb-loading athlete, I would imagine, because that was the thing back then. It was all carbs, carb-loading, pasta, pasta, pasta. And then now, so so when did that change? When did that, was it as you kind of retired? Or where was the, how did that happen, I suppose? I guess as, um, as a woman, probably you notice it more, and especially if you've had children, that you definitely notice a massive shift in hormones and metabolism. That is for no doubt about it. And I'm sure you guys obviously change, obviously get older, you know, so bodies change as well. So I can only speak from my own personal experience, but I've had two kids and you're right. I was in that stage where I was in that era when it was like, I had porridge for breakfast. I had a jack and potato for lunch and then dinner was chicken and pasta. And it was like, if you, and I was, or again, nutrition wise, brainwashing to, if you do not have carbohydrate, you're going to die on that court. And actually looking back at myself in that, and I, I have the fat gene in my family. So my dad massively struggled with his weight. My dad was massively obese. Um, I have eating disorders in my family as well, the other way. So my mom has an eating disorder. My, my sister has struggled with eating as well. So we, I've got very different sides of that. Uh, I've got two half sisters that, again, um, sort of uh, weight has been an issue for them as well. And I've always was aware of this as an athlete. And I, you get tested a lot. You get fat tested. You get sports science tested, everything. And every time they, like, monitor my fat, they were like, you're fat, girl. You're fat. You're fat. You're fat. So I had mm. to be between 20 and 25% fat as an athlete. And I was always about 26 or 27%. Even when I was number one in the world, they kept telling me how fat I was over and over again. So it was really sort of weighing on my mind. And then I had two children put on three stone very quickly with just sort of being pregnant. There's no way I should have put three stone on. Really struggled to lose it. And the only way I could lose it was pretty much starve myself. That's the only way that I knew that I could sort of get the weight off. And everyone thought, oh, you're an athlete, you'll be able to get it off. So I had to learn about my body again. And it's been a very interesting process. And one of the things that fascinated me was actually, let's look at our bodies and our brains, especially. So it's more about the brain rather than the body, about how we, our brains and bodies haven't evolved much from when we were cave men and women. Okay, so when back in the day, we still have the same brain and we still have the same body. And our diets have just, our 21st century diet is shocking. It is sugar. Mm. It's quick, fast, energy fix. So you grab something because oh, I need some energy and you grab it and you just sort of take this, this, this food because you're told this will give you energy. 
And actually, when you look at it and you look at our energy systems, and actually, we don't need that. And we are, we, we talk to, oh, I'm hungry, but you're not hungry. And it's all sort of like your brain is the actual the key to it. And that's how I got into the keto sort of mindset was keto doesn't, keto diet doesn't mean like diet. It means keto sort of lifestyle and actually allowing your body to be as efficient as possible. And our most efficient fuel is fat. And yet we don't we don't let it get to that fat stage because we apply it with sugar. And as soon as sugar comes into our system, we go, oh, <laughs> oh that's amazing. It's amazing. And we take the sugar or we'll take the carbohydrate. So keto means just like, let's just limit that and try to get to the original way of how our bodies work. And the, the way to get into ketosis is to like deplete everything. And that's really, really hard. You've got six weeks of quite a strict diet to strip everything of sugar. And it's believe, you know, when people do, it's like they just sort of hit this high because all the ketones are in your system and your brain gets 20 percent more efficient. That brain fog goes. And that's what fascinated me because in modern lifestyle, we've got brain fog all the time. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'm like, I've got two kids. I'm trying to juggle this, trying to juggle that. And I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to cope? And it shouldn't be like that. Life should be quite, you know, we should be all right. We're, we're adults. We should be on to this. So yeah, that's what I'm re that's what fascinated me was making this help this. I don't want to starve myself. I don't want to advocate, um, oh, let's get skinny like this. I just want to make my body efficient, but the brain efficient. This first, mm -hmm. and that will help this. And I've listened to, you know, sort of a, I went to a, a podcast, um, a talk by a brain, she was a brain uh, sport, brain, all about food about the brain. So it was salmon, and it was how the algae from the salmon, the salmon eat the algae, the salmon digest that algae. And when we eat salmon, that's where we get the right algae. So even if you took the algae, you wouldn't get the same as what was the salmon. And that's mm. what your brain loves. And it, this will fuel this and make this better. So that's what I'm really fascinated. And it's been a godsend for me. It's been over lockdown because I, I am quite an up and down person anyway. From doing the keto way, this has been like this. And mm. oh my God, I needed that through lockdown with everything that was happening and craziness. And I, if anyone's interested in it, I definitely recommend looking at it because I think with this quick fix, quick fix society that we're in, actually we need to just sort of stop and take a step, you know, like take a step back and go, oh, actually, do I need that? Do I really? Or do I trust, trust your body a bit more? I'm mm. lighter, I'm fitter, I feel... <clears throat> calmer i feel just yeah just more on it i feel a better me which is yeah. which is quite interesting about it so yeah it's something definitely something to it doesn't work for everyone and then yeah. um you know i'm not saying it's like i've had one guy message me today and he was like I feel really sick today. And I was like, you mean cold turkey, bait?" He's like, I go, oh my God, I've had four days, no sugar. And I went, well, yes, because you're, sugar's a drug, you know? So what do I do? What do I do? I was like, just ride it out, mate, ride it out. Come on, you can do this. But, you know, it just shows you how we are in, in today's society, how it is like, yeah, we are, mm, are we doing the best for ourselves i don't know so yeah that's what i'm i'm really fascinated by it and i'm still learning mm. as well so six weeks into it really really interesting and, mm. and definitely it's placed in sport as well so um i know lots of boxers take the ketones actually now 
boxing mm. it's got um ketones very very popular uh football it is rugby as well just because it, it gives for some people it gives them that here makes them more efficient here they can run they're just in training sessions on it more that aerobic endurance is better because of the fat burning and stuff so yeah no i'm, I'm quite intrigued by it it's definitely yeah. something you know I had um I had some horrible uh, horrible time you know making weight for fights um, when I was boxing yeah. it was I mean just like what Ali was saying so there's certain you know parameters that you know I could go on a, you know I was one time in particular I was doing roar sprints and uh, Johnny who's been on here before he's my well he he was my strength and conditioning coach at that point I was doing roar sprints and my times were fucking awful and he went <laughs> what have you had you know I was coming up to a fight what have you eaten today and I went uh, genuinely, uh, this is nighttime. A boiled egg, and he went, "What?" He's like, "I've had a boiled egg." He's like, "What else?" I'm like, "No, I've had a boiled egg." And he went, "You fucking moron! Get off the road and go home and eat some food." What the fuck? Uh, but you know, that's the kind of things that I used to do because you know, mm. boxing was very at that point was very old school. Yeah, and it was just you know, and I've seen me in a sauna. Yeah, you know, you know, five hours before a fight with a sweatsuit on. And just dying, like to the point where every joint is dry, and you're just sitting there going, "Ah, oh, everything hurts." And in a minute, a big man's going to punch me in the head, <laughs> and it's um, hor- horrendous. And that was just co- that was commonplace then. Yeah. Now, even now, you know, five, ten years later, it's it's massively improved. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm not really involved in it anymore, so I don't, I couldn't tell you how people, you know, do it all, but um. It's uh, it's always interesting to hear other you know mm. perspectives um, on on how it goes. I know um, you know so I've done some triathlons and stuff as well, and that's one of the hardest things to fuel through oh. a you know I failed I failed last year at a, an Ironman, and that was one of the hardest things was fueling. Yeah. Because you get to the point where you're just going, I can't take in any more no, and your stomach, your stomach's up and floating. Yeah, yeah, it's totally. So. Yeah, um, it's yeah, awful. It's, it's interesting. It's always interesting to hear, you know, dietary stuff. Yeah, I think, and you know, it's 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 learning. I I, I like yeah. to say I don't have the answers of everything, or you know, I don't have the answers of the universe. But all you can do. So I've tried vegan diet, for instance. I've tried that, and it just didn't do anything for me. I didn't feel great. I didn't feel mm. better on it. I didn't feel healthier. I felt yeah, you know, it was nothing. I was like, yeah, so you know, it's all right. But I didn't, I didn't give me extra energy or extra focus or anything like that and that's why I think the brain's key I think that's where sometimes we feel our stomachs more than actually this and that's actually the key to to how we we are going to um sort of remember how we we used to be and 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 there is there is a link (laughs) the brain tells body how to digest brain tells you know body how to work her brain tells what fuel to use and all that sort of stuff and and it is we it just makes you to stop and realize what you're taking in and am i actually hungry no i'm sorry i was just going to say are you you know have you looked at any of the people who are doing you know just carnivore yes so i've got a friend called bobby white who is the g he's he was 2012 gb handball and he is now he's a goal he was a goalkeeper before handball then he was goalkeeper in for a handball olympics and he's a good friend of mine and i remember talking to him i said look i'm just trying to work out my body i'm like don't know what to do i'm like thinking about going vegan he said i just eat meat and i went you what 
<laughs> I was like, you crazy or what? He goes, no, I just have one meal of meat and he's been doing two years. So he's in natural ketosis. Absolutely incredible. And it, that's all he does. Yeah, absolutely. It's for him. He looks amazing, feels amazing. Yeah. And it, it works spot on for him. So he's actually mm. just, he wants to try the ketone drinks as well that I'm, that I'm doing. And he's going to try them as well because he wants to get back into the fitness side. So he wants something else to just give him that extra oomph. And I went, mate, you're going to be ketoned out. <laughs> you're going to be like, woo! <laughs> so setting world records. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that does. But yeah, that's like mad, yeah. isn't it? I've also, got, um, I've also got something uh, that, I, you know, that will blow your mind is, and Ali knows this, and it's one of those things that when I tell people, they always go, what the fuck? I have never had pasta. <laughs> It's, it's one of those things that people always people are always really weird for you to do that. You've never had never had pasta in my Why? life. Because he's weird. a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's that's besides the point. I'm a weirdo without that. It just looks because weird. it looks weird. Yeah, what lasagna? Weird. Not even a lasagna sheet. I mean, that's flat. That just looks like a. What about gnocchi? That looks like a potato. Nope. All looks weird. <laughs> No, it's one of those things where I, I, I've never, I've never tried pasta, and it's always one of those things because you, you know, done some athletic stuff in the back. You know, people always go, "Oh, you, you, what, you, eat, you eat a lot of pasta," and I'm like, "No, I've never tried it," and they always go, what the "Fuck." You're probably what? the. I don't think I've met yeah. another you. No. no. Well, no. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was Gail. I was the same when he told me because I was like, I was like, I can't remember how we brought it up one time, but I think I'd had pasta maybe as a meal, and Chris yeah. was like, I'm like that, and I'm like, hi, okay then. No, I've never <laughs> right. had pasta. He's like, no, no, I've never had pasta. Never what's had the pasta. one about tomatoes? Huh? What's the what's your thing about tomatoes? Oh yeah, I've never tried tomatoes either. <laughs> <laughs> you might really like pasta, and you might really like tomatoes. Why don't you do. just try it? No. They see that annoys me because you were like, <laughs> you sound like one of my kids, like look at it. And yeah, if yeah. You, you know, how do you know unless you try it? You might really like it. I don't understand how you don't try it because you might like it. Yeah, I just don't like it. You it's don't know weird. that, do you? Because you've not tried it. So how do you know? There's a lot of things that I haven't tried that I know I won't like. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, that, that's, that's, another, that's another that's podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> um, yes, I I don't know what to say right now. I I don't know. Um... Yeah, no pasta, no pasta, <laughs> no pasta, no sauce. It just no. weirdly, right? and this is where it gets this is where it gets weird, right? Because it's not weird already. It gets weird. I love strawberries. So in our area of Scotland, we get yeah. the best strawberries. Amazing. I love strawberries. I hate raspberries. I well, they're different. I absolutely detest strawberry jam and love raspberry jam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris, you're special. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that's, all, that's all we need to know. <laughs> You're like well, one of those weird kids, aren't you? Like when they come, you. when you get like the the parent drops around at a house and goes, <laughs> "Okay, so they don't yeah. like this, but they do like this, and do you like and give them a list." And you're like, "Oh, 
fuck off, basically. Just get out of my house. <laughs> like, you don't want that awkward kiss. And that yeah. is you, basically. Yeah. That is you. You are that little annoying shit that, that turns yeah. up and goes, I don't like that, I don't like that, I only like this. And you're like, oh, just get out of my house, basically. Wow. That, I've got two boys as well that are now uh, 16 and 17. But when yeah. they were younger, we had a party for them. And it was a typical kids' oh. parties. Yeah. Sandwiches, crisps, sausage rolls. That's what you're getting. Uh, and iron brew, obviously. And iron brew, obviously. Yeah, thanks. And obviously, I was taking that as granny. And then <laughs> one of the mums came in and she was like, I'm just checking, are there organic snacks here? Oh, I was like, hey, fuck hey, off. What's its quavers and ham sandwiches and iron brew? <laughs> If you don't like it, fuck off. We've got, yes, we've got organic E numbers, uh, organic additives, and organic preservatives. So, yes, that cheesy colouring is, that orange colouring is pure natural shit. So, yeah, mm. eat it and weep, love. Oh, yeah. So, Chris has never carved load with pasta, is the only thing to take out of that. No, no, it's just strange. So yeah, I just like to I just just because you mentioned you ate loads of pasta, I had to drop that in someplace. I have never had pasta. I don't. I, I'm just annoyed by this because I make a really good lasagna. So I feel like I need to. I don't want to force you to eat my lasagna, but I feel like you should want to eat my lasagna and no. actually get over this phobia that you have of pasta because Las, at the end of the day, looks like, lasagna looks like disappointment to me. Well, yes, if you eat it just like as a pasta, yes, it's really shit. But when you add the nice sauce with it, do you, you know, like what normal people do with pasta, no one just eats dry pasta. They put like a, that's the, that's the key. You add a sauce to the pasta and that's how you get the, the flavour and the pasta adds the extra oomph in it. Saying that, I don't even eat pasta anymore. So <laughs> I'm like going, yeah, eat pasta. I'm like, no, nah, I don't even eat pasta. Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like I feel like people have now tuned out and went, oh, those those three are idiots. They've <laughs> left the bell. I feel like oh, you're going like to just get you're just going to get pasta parcels outside your house, like oh, just boy. people, you know, like they lay flowers. <laughs> you're just going to get. <laughs> eat this pasta, eat this pasta, try my pasta. So I, this could be a really good decoy. I've never tried wine. <laughs> ever. Or Peroni beer. Okay, I so... Get, I, I did get forced to try uh, wine. It was actually our jiu-jitsu professor we were watching, uh, I think it was a Conor McGregor fight, and he said, have wine. And Dan's, you know, he can kick my ass. So, you know, I went, uh, okay. okay. And I tried it, and I went, oh. Oh, this is quite nice, and I felt all sophisticated with my wine. I think I, I think I was drinking out of a mug, but you know, it was still nice. I do like wine. I do like a red wine. Can I like take you out for a day and maybe like sort of <laughs> introduce you into normal life, like maybe adult life? I don't. I, I think what? have you have you missed some sort of adulthood? I don't know. Is there a few years that you've just not? been around maybe in a coma or something I, I don't know i feel like this there's an education here that i, 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 I have has been punched in the head a lot yeah i have been hit in the head a lot yeah a lot. yeah um, but yeah you know it's fine I, okay. I understand that i'm weird and that's fine I'm, I'm happy with that you know i don't i don't you know that's fine everyone's got their thing you know <laughs> that's <it's> your thing <laughs> okay uh, yeah it's uh no, that's fine. I'm I'm happy with being a weirdo. Um 
But yeah, so I, 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 my train of thought now has went completely all it's over It's fine. Don't worry place. about it. We'll get you I on get the platter and wine. You're not uh, Italian, basically. That's what we've confirmed. You're not Italian, and every even if you were, every Italian would disown you, basically. So it's me, okay. Yeah. 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 They would just hope they would... That's what you should do, Chris. You should get like a my ancestry, and it'll come at like seventy five percent Italian. And we'll be like, yeah, how dare you? How dare you? I'm just a disgrace to the Italian nation. <laughs> yes. Or go to Italy. They'd love you. That'd be brilliant. Uh, why? No. Pasta? No. <laughs> just be like, get out of this country now. Oh. Um, right. Okay. I'm going to try and bring it back on track. Okay. Um, what is what is uh, what is your favourite medal? What was your best your best uh, medal? Your best win that you you know throughout your career? The best medal, um, this is badminton career, I'll take it. It's not like anything random career. What what other career do you have? Well, (laughs) 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 there's a secret career that I have. Um, (laughs) No, because the best medals I've got are actually achievements that I've done other than badminton. So, um... Like I've lo- I've run a marathon, which I'm not built for marathon. I've swum the serpentine. I've got the London Classics medal. I've uh, did I've done Everest Base Camp. Those to me are mm. more achievements than actually winning the stuff that I won because I was actually supposed to do that. I think badminton wise, winning the China Open was people don't realise the the politically correct answer is like oh my olympic silver is the best medal because it's the olympics or the world championships because i was world number one but i don't yes like i was expected to get some sort of medal in those you know mm-hmm. sort of areas i expect that the china open to tell you i don't know if you know much about badminton but china are very very good okay so a hundred million people in china play badminton it is like the national sport it is insane. So when you go over to play the China Open, it's like going to play. It's like boxing in the, in potentially the most corrupt boxing arena that you've you probably maybe if you've gone to Eastern Europe or something, yeah. which I hear about boxing in Eastern yeah, Europe, yeah, yeah. it can yeah, be yeah. a little bit uh, biased. Culture, yeah, right, exactly. So when you go to the China Open, it's the first round, you've got a qualifier who is, oh, funny enough, Chinese, who are bloody amazing. And they'd be like, oh, the hell are you? You're, you're like better than every single person in Europe. And you have to beat them. Then the next round, you have to play China. And the next round, China. And you literally up against Chinese line judges who are just going, I don't know, what, uh, oh, no, it's in. And you're like, no, it's like a mile out. And they're like, no, in, in. And you've got Chinese referees, you've got Chinese umpires, and you just got everything is against you. Yet somehow in 2000, and I think it was 2006 or 2005, 2006, Nathan and I won the China Open. It was the biggest horrendous struggle of our lives. But that feeling of like, you say, remember the sticking up your finger, mm-hmm. like sticking your fingers up to everyone, that was that, that people don't realize how hard it was to win the China Open. Yeah, as yeah. as non Chinese, <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. probably my best medal actually winning that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so because because you mentioned that, I, I need to know about the marathons and the swimming things that you've done because um, I love that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think it's like again, it's that missing that adrenaline, and I yeah. and I want to know how my body still works, and I want to push mm. my body still. So, uh, ran a marathon. I've swum the serpentine. I've ride London. 
climb mm. Kilimanjaro, Everest Base Camp. Um, yeah, I love stuff like that. I love pushing yeah. that boundary because I'm not a marathon runner. I'm not an open water yeah. swimmer. I can swim, but I'm not an open yeah. water swimmer. I'm not a cyclist, so I had to learn how to ride a ride, uh, road bike within five weeks before I cycled as, 100 miles. As, so, isn't isn't um, it? Just because you're talking about cycling, and it's one of those things where people, you know, I, 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 exactly what you've just said. I am not built for running. I'm not built for swimming, and I'm not built for cycling. You know, but I'll do a triathlon and marathons and stuff. Mm-hmm. And people, people go, you know, when you jump on a road bike, well, you just cycle and you go, no, you don't. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no there's, it's there's horrendous. A it. There's a lot to it. Oh, um, it's shit. I don't know how they do it. And I think yeah, I'm cycling yeah, really fast difficult. and then they just go, whoom, and you're like, what? Get lost. Yeah. That's no, yeah. I can't believe the yeah. speed they go. It's incredible. It makes sense. But you've got your or something. Sorry, say yeah. again. Yeah. You feel like you've got your bike in reverse. Totally. Yeah. I feel like Scrappy Doo. That's how I, it makes me with my little, <laughs> little. I feel like I'm on a kid's bike and they're like proper adult. And you're like, all right. Just to, yeah, my little legs going. So there's, um, yeah. there's quite a lot. There's quite a lot of events in Scotland. If you ever take your, your fancy to do some of those, there's some amazing uh, mountain yes. runs and, and really highly cycles are, I can highly recommend. Um, yeah. If you want something that gets. What I found, and obviously, you know, I, I did compete at, you know, a tenth of your level, but I, I have to have, if I'm signing up for a marathon or a hill run or a swim, it has to kind of scare me. I have to go, like it's an, like it's a, a fighter, like it's an opponent, you go, holy shit. Yeah. I need to, so I need that. Um, so there's a few a few runs and cycles and triathlons mm. and stuff that I've done that are... Uh, you know, you could bring the bring the family up and do the do the event and um, have fun with the whole thing. Yeah, I agree with you. Amazing. Like, I can't sign up for a ten k because I'm like, I can do a ten k yeah, tomorrow, yeah, yeah. or yeah. I can do a half marathon. It has to be borderline, slightly nuts to yeah. actually do it. And then I do no training <laughs> as well. <laughs> so I was planning to do training, and then I go, oh shit, I forgot to do that. Um, yeah. Everest was the funniest because I didn't realise how much walking was involved. I just literally. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I rocked up and all these like professional walker, hiker people. And I was like, how much walking on this? And they were like, yeah, it's like 25 miles a day. And he's like, all this. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm like, I, don't, I don't walk. I don't really do this. And you're like, Oh, yeah, maybe I should have done a bit of training. So, um, yeah, mm. I like that. I like that. Ah, oh, fuck it. Bring it on. So the one the one that I would uh, recommend for you, in fact, I think it, my, medal, my medal is on the mm-hmm. It's called the Solomon uh, Ring of Steel. In, uh, okay, Kenya, good name. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's uh, it was so bad. It was so warm when we did it. I when I crossed the finishing line, they gave me my medal. I started crying. Genuinely, it was so hard. And there's little ridges that you go across that are like. It actually comes in the you know when you sign up and you get all the the email and stuff. It comes with. Um, you might die. You know, yeah, it says you know this comes with a risk of death. There's there's uh. little passes that are this wide, and you're like, yep, that's for me. That's one I would say if you if you ever want to come to Scotland and do something crazy, it's not that far. It's only. 18 and a half miles, 29 okay. kilometers. Yeah. But it's so hilly. It's brutal. So if you ever want a challenge, Ooh. I would highly recommend that one for you. Okay. Okay. 
this 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 like death thing though did it how, <laughs> how many people have actually died doing it Nobody. oh well, there you go all right i'm in yeah. okay i'll do it then there's just so. there's just there's just parts where it's like this much kind of rock face you like crawl along or do you have to like you can't just balance like that surely you have to like sort of um, go on your ass yeah, or something no there's, a, there's oh. like a, a rock a rock face and there's like some little bits where you've got to put your foot grab onto it and pull yourself along oh mm. fuck off yeah there's some <laughs> there's some, uh, oh, there's some tough bits on there but um yeah okay uh, yeah, yeah that's one yeah if you yeah i would look at that one that's uh okay. you would like that and it's a, a beautiful little village in the, okay. the highlands you could do that one i think you would like right. it okay in fact in fact i'll make a deal with you now you eat if pasta you, <laughs> if you do that i will try pasta you know what? So there's, there's what one's got a risk of death. One is actually quite enjoyable. I, I mean, you know, I don't feel like it's quite as this. Don't feel very equal on that somehow. But I've got to nearly thirty-six years without trying that little horrible snail-looking shit. That that's that's a that's a big thing for me. <laughs> The deal's there. The deal's there. That's all I'm saying. The deal's there. I think I'm going to add something else to that somehow. I'll have a little thing, but I'm adding something else. You're not just having, oh, I'll eat pasta. I'm not even adding <laughs> and a tomato in there either. I'm going to I'm gonna make pasta, tomato, and something else, but I'll have a little think, okay? All right? Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll, 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 come, we'll come back to this deal. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Point, um... We've, uh, yeah, we've been going, we've been going for a little while now. Yeah, we've just had 70 minutes, so we can... Yeah. It, 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 always flies by. it always flies by. Oh, um, dear. Just before we wind it up, Gail, if people want to find out more about you, follow you, where can they find you on the social media, interwebs, all those kind of things. I have a very unique name, so no one else is called Gail M's in the universe, which is quite nice. So if you want to find out more about uh, what I'm up to, whether it's like fitness stuff, whether it's keto stuff or anything like that. So Instagram is at Gail M's and Twitter, it's at Gail M's. <laughs> so it's quite good having Andy. a unique name. Um, and yeah, just get in touch. It's something that, you know, very passionate about. I always try and engage with people. So if you you're you know want to know more, I, I do reply to people. Obviously, if you're nice and respectful, not if you're not. Um, <laughs> but yes, if you do want to know any more, then yeah, happy to, uh, yeah, happy to chat. Awesome. awesome. And we, we can confirm she is lovely and does reply <laughs> when you are respectful. When random people <laughs> say, fancy well, that is true. Scottish lads. Yes. Yeah. No, very yeah. true. Cool. Um, awesome. Awesome. Well, episode 35 in the can. Gail Ames, Queen of Badminton, MBE, legend. Legend. Close bracket. Close bracket. Shuttlecock on the forehead for 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I will let I will, there you go. That's what you can do. You can, I will make you some sort of headband with a shuttlecock on there, and you got to go around for at least a week wearing it or something like that. To oh, see what happens. You've got to go yeah, out for a night. You're underestimating my levels of uh, weirdness. Yeah, that's that's, that's less. That'd be easy, wouldn't it? That's less than passing. We do. We probably do it now. Yeah. Okay, I'll make more of that. Don't worry. Okay, I'll you, do that. You thing. can. You can. You can. You can think about it. 
Oh well, don't worry. Episode 35, done and dusty. The Silly Goose Gang Podcast.